Welcome back to another episode of Calf Chat. I'm Major Sarah Nicholson. And I'm Major Rob Besky. And today we're talking about... United States versus Nelson, 82MJ251. Uh, don't get it confused with the other USV Nelson, because CAF decided two of them in this latest term. So 82MJ251. And Major Besky, what is this case about? So basically, you've got uh, an investigator talking to an individual believed to be involved in a drug ring for um, cocaine and an LSD and some other um, I think mushrooms are part of it, and eventually they um, bring him in and ask him for his cell phone after he had made some other admissions, and they come back to him after they tell him he declines multiple times to enter his passcode, and the agent indicates to him, well, I'm going to go seek a search authorization for your phone. It comes back the following day, presents the search authorization, and the accused enters his passcode. And so the case is basically about whether or not that was a voluntary act by the accused or if he was compelled or threatened to enter his passcode. Okay, so let's dig into the facts of the case. So while under investigation for drug distribution at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, Lance Corporal Nelson's brought down to CID. The investigator advises him of his Article 31 Bravo rights, which Nelson waves, ugh, says every defense counsel. Um, during the course of the interrogation, the investigator asked Lance Corporal Nelson five times if he would consent to a search of his cell phone. And he kept saying things like, I'd rather not. Did he ever actually consent to a search of his phone at any point? No. In addition to the statements like, I'd rather not, he's saying, you know, I, I'd let you look at it if I had... Um, you know, if I had the ability to have a defense counsel tell me if I'd be incriminating myself or, myself or not. Um, and so the court, when they finally look at this, say he never unambiguously invocated his right to counsel. And in addition to being advised, the court also said, in addition to these 31 Bravo rights, the agent in this case advised him of a 31 Bravo slash Fifth Amendment Miranda hybrid, um, which is important because 31 Bravo doesn't have right to counsel. Uh, but most of the DOD uses a form that includes the right to counsel. So that's an important distinction for once we get to the ruling or the holding in this case. So eventually the interview is terminated and the investigator goes and gets a search authorization the next morning. Um, not from a military magistrate, though. How does this work in the Marine Corps? <clears throat> well, uh, jealous uh, in the Marine Corps of everyone else. And uh, for anybody who didn't catch that already, I'm actually, Major Rob Besky is a Marine. Um, we don't have the manpower. We don't have magistrates. So we typically, uh, for almost all of them, unless there is a unique circumstance where we already have this in front of a, a judge to so like subsequent misconduct for something that was already pending court-martial, we will typically have the majority of these go through commanders. And so did this go to Lance Corporal Nelson's commander to authorize the search? Uh, it did. And that's where the, the meeting the day after this interaction, so the 1 April meeting, which is the day after the initial advisement of rights, uh, takes place at the headquarters. Okay, so it sounds to me like they call Lance Corporal Nelson into the battalion headquarters. The investigator is there with the search authorization and the phone, which he had collected the day before, and he puts the phone in front of him and asks Lance Corporal Nelson if he's willing to unlock his cell phone. 
then what does Lance Corporal Nelson say to that? Well, he doesn't say anything, and that's that's important because that was uh, something that the court uh, put a lot of stock into is that he doesn't, after previously indicating five times on the day before that he's not going to just give over the phone or enter his passcode on one April, he doesn't say anything um, other than, well, I'm sorry, he does say, I guess I don't have a choice. But contemporaneously with saying, I guess I don't have a choice, he just enters the passcode without seeking any further clarification or anything. Um, so there was really no time for the agent to even interrupt him. That's right. Um, the, uh, the opinion stresses that, you know, at that point, the agent is not under any obligation to correct any misunderstandings, um, or, or, you know, wrong assumptions of the accused in that situation. And of course, you know, they look in the phone, there's a treasure trove of incriminating evidence on there. And Lance Corporal Nelson lost this suppression motion at the trial level, but enters into a conditional pretrial agreement with the convening authority where the PTA specifically preserved the right to appeal the motion to suppress, uh, which he does appeal it to the NMCCA. So what issue did the CAF grant here? So the CAF at this point is basically looking at whether or not the entry of the passcode with presentation of the search authorization was truly voluntary on the part of um, the accused or if it was coerced because of the fact that a search authorization was, um, you know, put in front of them, essentially. Uh, does the CAF ever say if putting in the passcode is a Fifth Amendment issue? No, and specifically, if you want to get into the weeds, you can look at footnote five, um, where they specifically outline that, um, you know, this court, meaning CAF, has not previously determined under what circumstances such an act, in this case the act is unlocking the phone or entering the passcode, uh, where that act would be both incriminating and testimonial, which would be what is necessary to make it a Fifth Amendment implication. So here they're only really looking at voluntariness. That's right. And they do a two-part test, it looks like. They're looking at the personal characteristics of the accused as well as the circumstances of the interrogation interrogation here there don't seem to be any personal characteristics that cause concern what did they have to say about lance corporal nelson well the the appellant or accused put forth that hey you know uh the characteristics do cut in his favor and the court sort of rejects um the accused's um position on this saying no actually if we look at this individual, he was in the Marine Corps for just about a month shy of his EAS, so a four-month enlistment. He was articulate in that he was able to, um, on the previous day, uh, prior to 1 April, on five separate occasions, decline and clearly assert that he understood his rights to not just have to acquiesce to the color of law enforcement and give over either his passcode or his phone. Um, and then they look at also the characteristics of uh, the interrogation as the second part, and really focus in on um, about a little over 90 minutes for the first interaction, and then less than three minutes on 1 April um, for him to enter his passcode, and that there was no no threats um, or anything to indicate that it was uh, a situation that the military would be concerned about coercion, duress, or the accused will being overborne, essentially. So when I was reading the the opinion, two things stood out to me that CAF seemed to really highlight. First of all, it was that 
the day before, Lance Corporal Nelson was asked for his phone five separate times, and he said no like five different ways. So it seemed like that actually cut against Lance Corporal Nelson in the end as as far as personal characteristics that cause concern. The calf was like, this person is savvy enough to understand they might be incriminating themselves and were able to say no five times before. And then when it came to the circumstances of the interrogation, they also highlighted how polite the investigator was. Do investigators have to be polite? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I think in a lot of our experiences, they are usually not, um, but it really seemed to help the analysis in this situation to make it clear that, okay, when, you know, uh, the accused Nelson says, I guess I don't have a choice. Had he not been polite, I suppose there's a, a possibility that they might have said that he was just acquiescing. Uh, but the absence of any um, aggression or, uh, hey, you better do this because I've got this search authorization really uh, seemed to undermine the, the accused argument here with uh, both the NMCCA and CAF. So what is the result in this case? What happens for Lance Corporal Nelson? So ultimately, um, as you said, the trial judge uh, denied the suppression motion. The CCA on the conditional plea also agreed with the trial judge. And then CAF agreed with both the trial judge and the CCA, um, saying that this was a voluntary act by Lance Corporal Nelson. The entry of his passcode um, was, was truly voluntary, and the government... Um, was allowed to use the admissible evidence found on his phone. So I think this is going to be an area, it has been an area of the law that is continually evolving and, and very important, as most people do, password protect their phone in some way. Um, what should people that advise law enforcement, what should lawyers take away from this opinion? So I think for either law enforcement or folks that are engaged in advising law enforcement, the um, circumstances surrounding pursuit of seizure of a phone and then passcode, it's really important to understand <clears throat> the lack of the unambiguous invocation of either right to silence or right to counsel in this case, because um, that would have been an all-stop moment had Lance Corporal Nelson said, you know what, I, I do want an attorney or I do want a lawyer. Um, that would have ended the analysis, but because he did not clearly and unambiguously invoke his right to counsel in this situation, and that's, that again, that hybrid of 31 Bravo does not give service members the right to counsel. It's the Fifth Amendment that does. Um, the absence of that is important. And um, if, So let me, let me stop you right there. You're saying that had Lance Corporal Nelson at some point said, I want to speak to an attorney the agent would not have been able to go back to him and ask him for the passcode. That's right. Um, if for folks that are savvy in this area, we're familiar hopefully with um, the CAF decisions in Robinson and Mitchell, um, where there's a, a difference where one individual had begun the consent process before an invocation of the right to counsel. And CAF said that that was um, requesting the passcode in that situation was a continuation of the consent process that had already begun before the invocation of right to counsel. Contrast that with a similar case 
saying, no, I do want an attorney. Well, hey, we're going to seize your phone anyway. Why don't you just help us all out and give us your passcode? That was um, in violation of what's called the Edwards rule. And so the only way for the government to continue to question after the invocation of counsel is to make counsel available or um, the subject would have to reinitiate and basically re-waive their rights under 31 and, and the Fifth Amendment. So can an accused be ordered to input their numerical passcode, regardless of this, I've requested an attorney rule? No, certainly not, um, because that is purely Fifth Amendment territory on compelling a service member to have to divulge the contents of their minds, right? So whatever the order is of the passcode, the accused presumably has put it in, you know, it could be one 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 on a four-digit thing, Uh, But even forcing the service member to say, oh, it's just all ones would be making them, compelling them to, uh, you know, be a witness against themselves, um, which is different than biometrics, which is probably a whole separate different podcast, though. Yeah. Yeah, we could do a whole separate uh, (laughs) podcast between biometric passcodes and numerical passcodes. But um, with the accused being ordered to input their numerical passcode, that's a no-go regardless of whether they've invoked their right to counsel. But they could be asked nicely, even if, like with Lance Corporal Nelson, he had not invoked his right to counsel, and they asked him, would you be willing to enter your passcode? By and large, yes. Um, But there are some... um because you got to remember where does the rights advisement fall. So if you have an individual that um, they already suspect uh, has evidence on the device, you can ask them to voluntarily do so. And if they do, um, such as Nelson here, maybe that's okay. In some rare cases, uh, doing so may be testimonial and communicative, as the court states You know, in, in that footnote five. Uh, that would be an interesting issue <laughs> to see if it was challenged, um, but it would take the case law on it says it would be the most unusual circumstances, but they're leaving the door open that those unusual circumstances are out there. Well, it seems to me like all of these uh, cases are, are very fact specific and depends a lot on not only the personal characteristics of who's being interrogated and, and the environment surrounding the interrogation, but it's also going to be, the security features of the phone are going to play a big role in any analysis as well. Is there anything else you think our listeners need to know about USV Nelson? Yeah, I think the, um, what you were just touching on there, you know, you've got a abusive discretion standard for, um, the CCA and CAF to look at, did the trial judge get it wrong? And then you've got a de novo standard for whether or not it was voluntary And then you've got a totality of the circumstances standard for the case-specific facts. So there's a whole lot going on on these. I think a lot of judge advocates fall into this um, position of, oh, I understand 31 Bravo and kind of how Fifth Amendment is blended together with it. But whenever you have that case-specific, I got to dive deep into the weeds, it quickly gets very difficult to keep it separate in those different bins of, is this purely a Fifth Amendment issue? Are we in just purely 31 Bravo issue is where we find ourselves in the case, um, the processing of the case. Are we talking abuse of discretion? 
Um, are we talking a de novo of de novo standard for the voluntariness? Um, and again, everything falls under the totality of the circumstances for the court. Um, super complicated in a lot of cases where I think everybody's initial impression is, yeah, I get Fifth Amendment, I get 31 Bravo. Shouldn't be too hard. Okay. I think that that's all that we have for today for our listeners. Thanks for tuning in once again.